The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's uh, 2.33, it's Jaylin and Andrew as we count down about another hour before the details of the provincial budget will be released. Finance Minister Joe Cece promising to balance the budget by 2023-24 and thanks in big part to anticipated revenue from the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, a pipeline that, as you know, is facing delays and challenges. Boy, is it ever. For a preview, we're joined by Dr. Trevor Toome, Assistant Professor of Economics at the University of Calgary and Research Fellow at the School of Public Policy. Welcome to the show. Hi, great to be here. Great to have you. So I have to ask, uh, I, I kind of want to cut right to the chase. Is this budget all about um, balancing the budget? That's surely been some of the signals that we've got from the finance minister and the premier over the last couple of days and months, even as far back as the end-of-year interviews in December of last year signaling that this might be putting forward a five-year plan to balance. Uh, Whether we will see the full five years in complete detail is something that we'll find out in an hour, but I don't think the government is going to be just uh, talking about returning to balance. I think we're going to see a lot in this budget around their diversification initiatives and around uh, potential retraining programs and more resources and funding to skills development and education, things of that nature. I mean, Trevor, this is what the uh, the last full bu- budget cycle before the 2019, um, you know, expected general uh, election. I guess it's got to be pretty important right now for the NDP to present a plan to balance the budget. And it's at a point now where they could present a five-year plan to balance that uh, brings us to the beginning of 2023 with return to balance without any reductions in government spending, for example. So I think the government wants to contrast their approach to Mm -hmm. the opposition's approach by trying to show how we can get back to balance without spending reductions. And right about now, they could. They could grow program spending by about 1.5% between now and 2023 every year, and and still potentially credibly uh, return to balance by 2023. But for Alberta, the tricky thing is royalty revenues. So much of our budget depends on oil prices. Mm-hmm. That's hard to forecast. Well, and of course, that depends in a great part to the yet-to-be-built pipelines, right? The Trans Mountain Absolutely. Pipeline expansion, the Wisconsin Line 3 replacement. I wanted to ask just what your take is on this. To, to base a balanced budget in five years on something that is in jeopardy to some extent at least, is that kind of a win-win? Because if these pipelines don't go ahead for whatever reason or are delayed, then they have plausible deniability as to why they weren't able to balance the budget. And if they do go ahead, of course, that's just a whole bunch of revenue that they didn't have before. It's win-win either way. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is a substantial amount of revenue. We have gotten some analysis out from the government in their last fiscal update where they estimate that a new pipeline, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, means that Alberta oil is worth a little bit more, so producers earn more and royalties are higher. And they worked that out to about uh, $1.8 billion, so nearly $2 billion a year from this pipeline. So we are talking about a substantial amount of royalty revenues here. 
and for them to maybe put out a budget today that relies on that pipeline proceeding as planned, um, I think does a couple things. Politically, as you mentioned, it provides cover in the event that <laughs> the balanced budget objectives are met, but it also makes very clear and transparent what the economic costs of delaying that pipeline is. Mm, that's, that's true. It might help uh, in the conversations with the federal government, for example. Just, just to put this in perspective, am I correct? Because I read this twice and thought, oh, I wonder if this is a typo. The debt is forecasted to be $41.7 billion? Yeah, that is... At the uh, end of this fiscal year. Yep, that is that is exactly right. Uh, and I guess it depends on what you mean by debt. But yes, the amount that they have borrowed directly for uh, capital spending and operating spending to date uh, is about that much. Yeah, I mean, that number will change slightly today when we get the updated number, but yep. Wow. But then it forecasts to hit like $91 billion by next year, I was reading as well? Or is uh, that... So I believe it's nine point one billion deficit this year. Oh, no, the deficit, uh, yeah, nine point one billion dollar for this fiscal year, which ends March thirtieth, right, or thirty first. Uh, but that would bring the total debt forecast to be forty one point seven billion. And when you talk about cutting back on spending, so we have to remember, you have to go back a few, a couple of years, and say, okay, when the uh, economy had a downturn, the NDP said we're going to put money into infrastructure spending to keep. Uh, the economy moving ahead. So when they talk about, uh, you know, balancing, they're talking about cutting back on infrastructure spending, but continuing to put money into programs, social programs. Yeah, that may be. I mean, one thing to keep in mind, though, is infrastructure spending doesn't translate directly into the deficit that we're used to seeing. Uh, capital spending is gradually expensed over time, mm. uh, so we don't book the expense the moment the cash is going out the door to pay for the road, for example. Okay. Uh, although we do need to borrow money, so debt levels do grow due to that capital spending. So let's and talk about that then. Uh-huh. You know, uh, a plan to balance the budget, uh, cutting back on infrastructure spending. Does any of that do anything to help Alberta's credit rating, which has taken a hit in the last couple of years? Well, one thing to keep in mind about Alberta and its credit worthiness is that our balance sheet, the amount of kind of net worth of the government or net debt, I should say, of the government is the best out of all of the provinces. Mm -hmm. I think what the credit rating agencies are concerned about and what they consistently highlight in their reports is the lack of a plan to balance. It's the uncertainty mm. oh, more than the actual level of that. And I think the government today has an opportunity to um, clarify what yeah. the path to balance is. And if it's credible, I think that will go a long way uh, towards improving the credit rating, maybe not increasing it, but forestalling uh, future downgrades. Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to work if, you know, given what we're hearing um, with a plan possibly today, if that would improve the credit ratings down the road. Interesting. Mm -hmm. If it's a credible plan. I mean, it all depends on what assumptions are made, and if they're conservative assumptions, if they're reasonable, then uh, that could go a long way. Hmm. What about, uh, you know, some items, and this isn't unusual uh, to announce some items that will be in the budget before the budget is actually tabled, or for Mm -hmm. the finance minister or premier to hint at things that might be in the budget, and then, of course voila, they're in the budget. It feels to me like, and maybe I'm wrong, and and tell me if I am, it feels to me like I know more about this budget than I did about previous budgets. And I'm wondering, you know, things like uh, funding made available for rural municipalities to set up bus service, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I feel like 
maybe um, Mr. CC, Minister CC, is putting some of these out so that that's not the topic of conversation. That he's directing the topic of conversation directly to debt. So that's an interesting uh, point. I would have interpreted it more as we just came off of a new throne speech, and so we were provided with uh, a lot of information around what the government's agenda is going to be over the next year, uh, a year leading up into a campaign, so something where we're going to see a lot of initiatives. And so I think this budget, more than prior budgets, uh, are going to contain, I guess, more goodies, if you will. Maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, but more visible type of programs. And so I mentioned earlier the diversification funding, funding for uh, skills training. That's because it was in the throne speech. Mm -hmm. And so to not have it in the budget Ah, um, would be a little inconsistent. Yeah, that makes sense. I did see uh, an item as well, and we all saw that picture of uh, Minister Sisi wearing the virtual... Yeah, his virtual shoes. Yeah, it looked like a croc. uh, Diversification. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that's a big item that they're talking about there. They're they're talking about providing uh, refunds to companies that uh, enter into this tech sector. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but it's a significant amount, like one-third of salaries or something like that. That's, That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, and we will see, hopefully, more details around programs just like that. Maybe some additional investor tax credits, not just helping cover labor costs, but to cover uh, capital costs as well. Uh, And because it's a budget, we would know what the the price tag is associated with those programs. It's interesting how there's a domino effect to this, right? You know, you you raise a great point that it's sort of like they were able to look into the playbook a little bit because the federal budget came down and now comes down the provincial budget. Next will be the municipal budgets. Um, And, of course, cities like Edmonton are looking... To, to get a little money out of this budget as well. And they've and, made it perfectly clear and they, yeah, what they our, want. Our mayor has certainly yep. made it uh, clear. Now, I know you have an LRT project yourselves down in Calgary, the Green Line, That's I think right. it's called, um, that has a promise already from the provincial <laughs> government, or at least uh, we'll, you know, we'll fund up to this amount of money. I think our mayor That's is right. looking for a similar commitment. Do you think he'll see that? That's going to be really interesting to watch. So not just uh, funding for infrastructure projects like public transportation. You're right that Calgary's Green Line received a good amount of funding. Uh, One-third will be from the province, one-third from the feds, one-third from the city. Uh, Edmonton may want that as well. But another big-ticket item here that's top of the news, at least in Calgary, is the Olympic bid. Oh, yeah. And whether or not the province is going to come to the table with funds there, because that's not a trivial commitment on the part of the province. So if they go down the route of restraining capital spending. Um, I guess I would hope for, you know, good public policy purposes that they would fund a public transportation project in Edmonton prior to funding the Olympics. Yeah. I'm curious, Trevor, what, what is the mood down there in, uh, in, in Calgary about um, funding the Olympics, about uh, the possibility of another Olympics down there? Yeah, I'd say that opinion is split. It is one of these contentious topics where anytime city council debates it, they debate it late into the evening. And Hmm. people recognize that Olympics are a costly endeavor, right? We see that every time that they are held. And given the budget situations uh, or situation here in Alberta, it would be a a pretty big uh, choice. And, you know, that being said, uh, Calgary has a lot of fond memories of the Olympics Mm -hmm. in 88. And so that's kind of a counterpoint to the fiscal concerns. Yeah, that's an interesting one, the Olympics. I was living in Calgary when the Olympics were on in 88. Loved it. 
um, don't really have the analytical data to suggest that it met all the needs that were promised in terms of facilities left behind and economic growth and whatever. But it feels a lot like I could imagine that the split is between those who were in Calgary in 88 and those who were not. Mm-hmm. Because if you were there, it was like a blowout party that you would love to have again. <laughs> and if you weren't, you're just looking at yeah. the bottom line. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it would be really interesting to get some poll numbers on that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, and the Olympic Committee would certainly probably like to have, um, you know, mass viewing audience, TV viewing audiences oh, yeah. from North America where the time change isn't so drastic as it has been in the past uh, the past few. Yeah, very true. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. and raises the point about how those television rights, broadcast rights generally are shared with the, the local organizing committees. That's another point of contention where we get a lot of the costs involved in putting on the games within the IOC most of the gravy from the broadcast right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Trevor Toome joining us this afternoon, Assistant Professor of Economics at the University of Calgary and a research fellow at the School of Public Policy. Uh, Trevor, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thanks for your insight, and we'll see what all comes uh, to fruition here in about 45 minutes. My pleasure. Take, Take care. care. You too. Before we move on from uh, Talk of the Budget, we'll carry it live as soon as uh, Finance Minister Joe Sisi presents it at the ledge, and uh, then we'll have uh, talking points for you in the highlights. I did get uh, a text from an individual, and just it's always good to just clear this up one more time. Uh, the question was about transfer payments. Why does Alberta mm-hmm. stop sending transfer payments, and how much would that mm-hmm. affect our budget? It doesn't affect our budget at all. Every Canadian, no matter where you live, pays whatever rate of federal tax, which all is collected by Ottawa and then is distributed. It's not a check written by the provincial government. The the province of Alberta does not get a bill from the federal government that you owe this many billion in transfer payments. So whether there's transfer payments or isn't transfer payments, it doesn't affect Alberta's budget. That's not in the numbers. So just to clarify that one more time, and I know we've done it several times with Todd Hirsch from ATB Financial and others, um, but it is one of those things. You see the number and Don't you think... Don't get your news from memes. Right, exactly. You know, yeah, Albertans as Canadians are paying into something that they don't get back as Albertans, but it's not the Alberta government that writes that check. Um, did you want to talk about... Uh, you have one story I know you just mentioned to me. I really really liked the uh, story about the garbage bags. I love the story about the garbage um, because I live it out by I my neighborhood all the time. So Southern Ontario, Bowmanville uh, area. Um, buddy was out walking down near a, a gulch, like in a, in a protected kind of area, yep. and came across with 30 bags of garbage dumped there. So calls his buddy. Yeah, Ron Bell calls yep. his buddy Ron Hawkshaw and says, hey, there's 30 bags of garbage here. What should we do? He posts <laughs> a f- picture of it on Facebook. He's furious, and why shouldn't he be? People, somebody just He's pulled up a truck and, and dumped, dumped 30, it all out. like some yep. elf arrives during yep. the night and cleans it yep. up. Uh, that there's some service, you know. Um, and so his buddy, after posting it on Facebook, starts to get some suggestions. And among the suggestions mm-hmm. is uh, open the bags. Look for what's in there. See if you can find an address. And oh, what did they find? Everything. They found a ton of stuff. Like you talk about protecting your identity from uh, identity theft. Mm-hmm. This, These bags were full of tax receipts, T4 copies, uh, 407 receipts, which is the uh, the fee you pay to travel on Highway 407. Mm-hmm. It has your home address, your license number, because the car is, uh, is charged by license plate number, right? So they were 
able to track down the right address. The they threw all of the um, the garbage in the back of a truck and delivered it back to the front yard of a woman who lives not that far away. <laughs> exactly. Right to the front door, rang the doorbell. Here's your garbage back again. This is yours. And and they, it's funny because her, she was uh, taken aback to have the garbage yeah. delivered back. But also, talk about people who don't get it, just don't get it. Uh, they said, listen, we've got, we found you because of these receipts. Yeah. Her take on it was, you've invaded my privacy. That's very personal information. Then you should have protected <laughs> yeah. it a little bit better before you dumped it in a field by my house. Exactly. Exactly. If you were concerned about the information, how did it end up in 30 bags on the side of the highway? So hopefully she's learned her lesson. I know the mayor of the town had said it isn't the best idea to confront these people, just call police. But I just love what these guys I did. I loved it too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, out by you know where I live, uh, it's a r- regular, especially around this time of year, people are doing some spring cleaning. People dump couches and mm. TVs yeah. and chairs and fridges all along these farmers' fields, and yeah. so now these guys got to take care of it. And what do they think these like, rural you, people are... On. Did they have some butler service that yeah. takes care of and this? And by the way, it's still city limits, you... Yeah. Right? Take it to the dump. Like, why it, wouldn't just, you? And, you know, I know this is Ontario, but it, when you see it here in Alberta, yeah. there is a lot of different ways to uh-huh. get rid of stuff in Alberta, in Edmonton specifically, which is really yeah. easy to do. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, and I've seen it too, I, you know, I do a lot of driving in the country, and, and like you said, the couch is the one that always sticks out. Uh-huh. So there's a couch somewhere, right? Well, you know that you drove farther and burned more gas uh-huh. to drop that couch and ruin somebody's day than would have taken you yeah. to just take it to the dump or yeah. take it to the recycling uh-huh. station. or, And I know there's a fee. There's a fee to help us make sure Alberta is not littered like that and that the yeah. materials get recycled or reused, right? I just don't get... What what goes through a person's mind that it that it's no longer your problem. I'm just going to make it, and think about this, and we've talked about this before, and people have texted, and, I, and before you do, I'll, I'll say what your text should say. Can you imagine if a farmer took his waste and just drove into Edmonton and dumped it mm-hmm. on your lawn? Mm-hmm. Do you think because there's a lot of acres of field that it's less yeah. irritating? Mm-hmm. And, and that's basically what these guys did, and I applaud them for yeah, it. Yeah, me too, tip of the hat, and I've thought about doing it a couple of times. Hey, you know what? If you're dumping a couch in my neighborhood, leave your name on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and instructions as to how I get back to your house. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.